direct your attention to the book of uh, 1 Samuel. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 28. I'm going to be reading just a, about 14, maybe 15 verses of scripture. Uh, as one preacher said, uh, you might be standing for a few minutes, but I'm standing the whole time, so... 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. And verse 3 lets us know a little bit of the background of what was happening at the time of King Saul in this battle that he was getting ready for. Verse 3 says, now Samuel was dead. Samuel was a prophet, the man of God in King Saul's life. When he was a young man, he always was there with a ready word to speak to King Saul, give him direction. It says, now Samuel was dead and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not. Neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Amen. Saul was desperately seeking direction, desperately seeking a word from God. But he got no response because God had rejected Saul because of his disobedience. Amen. That was a glaring uh, sin and issue in his life. And it was a rebellious act on the, on the part of King Saul. And... And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, and we begin to see the, the demise. We begin to see how low to uh, low, uh, low the point that King Saul would go to. And uh, then Saul said unto his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him. Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman woman by night. And he said, I pray thee divine unto me by the familiar spirit. And bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. Verse number nine. And the woman said unto him. Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? So we begin to get to the part of the conversation where this witch, amen, that was... Uh, divining and having familiar spirits uh, began to say, okay, who do you want me to call up to conjure up uh, that you would talk to? And the latter part of verse 11, and he said, bring me up Samuel, 
And verse 12 says, And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what, that, what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. I'm not going to keep reading for the sake of time, but I want to talk tonight about uh, this simple thought, the voice of God in your life. The voice of God in your life. Would you say that with me tonight? The voice of God in your life. Amen. Would you set your Bibles down and would you help me pray tonight? Amen. That God would speak to us tonight. Amen. That God would anoint my lips of clay. Hallelujah. God, we pray right now in this house. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint my lips of clay. I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to speak to your people tonight. I pray, God, that you would uh, anoint the hearer of the word tonight, Lord. Let this word that we preach, that we teach, that we talk about, God, that we, uh, that we digest, let it fall on good ground, on, on good fertile soil in men's hearts tonight, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give the people an open heart and an open mind to receive your word into their lives. Come on, would you lift up your voice for a few moments and would you just ask the Lord, God, give me a heart to receive your word. God, give us a heart to receive your word. Would you speak to us tonight? 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Saul is introduced in scriptures as having a great promise and amount of potential upon his life. He was in the, uh, very young in the very beginning when God began to put his hand upon Saul. He was of powerful parentage or lineage. The Bible says that he was taller than everybody else around him. He stood head above shoulders. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 9, 1 through 2, that there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. Amen. He was this good, upstanding, upright, uh, tall just good to look upon handsome dude that was Saul in the very beginning. Uh, but it wasn't just those qualities and characteristics that defined Saul. Moreover, the Bible lets us to know that he began his kingdom journey as a humble man. Uh, not even telling his family of the prophet Samuel's prophetic message uh, to his life and the signs that would confirm the, the call of God upon his life. He did not even disclose and share it with his family. He kept it to himself uh, very humbly. So uh, he was not a vengeful individual in the very beginning of Saul's life. Amen. Especially in the case of the sons of Belial when they would do him wrong. He was not a, a vengeful person that would try to lash out and get vengeance upon his enemies. But he was a forgiver of people's wrongs against him. And in spite of all of these good qualities and characteristics and mannerisms and the way that he looked and stood head above shoulders. Now he was such a goodly person and humble uh, and not an initial person. In spite of all of these things, King Saul would end his journey in life as one of the most tragic of God's chosen men in the Bible. You say, what would uh, could possibly have happened in King Saul's life? Amen. That God would anoint a young man that had great potential and great promise upon his life. What could possibly go wrong? Amen. To a young man that had a, had a good set of parents, a good family uh, structure in his life, and, and had a humble spirit and had a, a heart to do the right thing, and, and he had a heart after God. Uh, what could possibly have been the thing that began to throw King Saul off course in his life? We can begin to read about the downfall that happened in, uh, in, in King Saul's life. It is in 1 Samuel chapter 13 that we first begin to read about some issues that begin to arise in King Saul's life. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 13. It talks about how that after God had anointed that Saul as king, and he had been in that role of king for one to two, maybe three years, uh, that he began to form the military might of that kingdom. And he began to assemble together an army of people. We read in, in chapter 13, verse number uh, one, Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel. And the Bible lets us to know that Saul was over 2,000 of those and his son Jonathan was over the other 1,000 men. And in the process of time, the, young, the zeal of the young son Jonathan uh, of King Saul, uh, the, the zeal that would 
possess Jonathan's heart uh, would cause Jonathan to to take into his own hands and to begin to fight against the people of the enemies of God. He would begin to fight against the Philistines. Amen. Jonathan was ready. Amen. We got a king. We got an army. It may not be a whole lot, but we're ready to take the city, if you will. We're ready to take on the army, the, the enemies of God. We're ready to take on the, the alien armies of this world. And we're ready to go and we're ready to, to be victorious. And the Bible says that as uh, his son Jonathan began to smite in verse number 3, the smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it and saw, blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. Amen. And we begin to see the, the things that Jonathan had done with his thousand men army that was under his control. And the Bible says in verse number 5, and the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. And now we begin to see things come into, 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 into picture, into a clear picture. We begin to see what is the response of the enemies of God. And it's in verse number 5 that the Bible says, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pinched, they, they, they pitched in Mitchmash, eastward from Beth Avon. And, and what happened at this particular juncture in the history of the people of God was that that young Jonathan said, I'm ready to fight against the, the, the enemies of our people, the enemies of God. And in the process of awakening up the enemy and beginning to stretch themselves, the people of God begin to come into their own level of authority and begin to be victorious. The, the enemies of the people of God begin to say, okay, you want to fight? We're ready to fight. And it's in, it's in verse number five that we begin to see the Philistine army and just begin to ready themselves and to get them, the, the battle into array and to begin to uh, get ready to fight against the people of God. And it's in that moment, amen, when, when hell begins to come against, amen, the people of God, that if you're not careful and if you don't know who you are in God, yeah. you'll begin to shrink back in fear. You'll begin to get worried, amen. Sometimes, amen, we go through things in life and it seems like the deck is stacked against us and we don't know where our healing's coming from. We don't know where our victory's coming from. And so our, our natural response is to cower in fear and to give up and say we're not going to fight and to be like the people that we read about in verse number 6. It says it like this. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. In other words, they saw the armies of the Philistines getting ready to fight against them. And the people of God, amen, began to cower in fear, began to hide behind rocks, begin to hide in, in the bushes, begin to find caves, begin to find uh, pits that they could dive into and hide themselves in. They begin to hide themselves in rocks, in high places, and they begin to get all worried, amen, and wondering, amen, uh, and thinking that we're not able to defeat the armies of the Philistines. In fear, Saul's new small army of 3,000 disbanded 
And they begin to run and hide in all of these different places. And the pressure begins to mount upon the man of God. The pressure begins to mount upon King Saul in this particular juncture. The pressure begins to, begins to intensify itself against King Saul and against the armies of God, the, the people of God. The Bible says in verse 7, And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. They were trembling. They were afraid. They were worried. And the problem we get ourselves into sometimes is when we are in a place in our lives where we feel out of control, we feel threatened, we feel like we don't know what to do, what's going on. The temptation is there. Well, I'll find, I'll be creative and I'll do it my way because clearly God doesn't know what's happening in my life. Clearly God's uh, not in the picture in my life. And, and you know, you, you begin to wonder and think things. Uh, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to have a place to live? How, where am I going to find a spouse? Uh, and, and all of these things begin to come into your mind. And to the single man and the single woman, uh, am I ever going to find somebody uh, that's good to love me in, in the church? And so in our creative rebellion, if you will, we begin to do things our own way. And to the folks, amen, that, that, that don't have a place to live and they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. And they begin to say, well, I'm going to find away. I'm going to make my own way because God's not able to do it and I'm scared to death and I don't know if I'm going to be single all of my life. I don't know if I'm going to be homeless all my life. I don't know if I'm going to be broke all my life. So I'm going to figure out a way to do it all by myself. And here is where we find Saul making his first mistake. Saul making his first mistake. Saul in his mind, if you can, if you can go with me to that time in, in the kingdom where Saul uh, was just a very young king, just one to three years a king, and his his uh, one of his uh, his commanding officers, his son Jonathan, gets into a skirmish and begins to rile up the armies of the Philistines, and he and all, all of a sudden they begin to find themselves in something uh, bigger than what they thought they they were getting themselves into, and all of the armies begin to amass themselves. And sometimes there's people that come to church and they give their hearts to God and then they begin to come up against certain issues in life and it seems like hell fights you and so you try to find your own way. I'm going to make it my own way. And in this particular juncture is where we find Saul because Saul is a young king and Saul is faced off with this biggest battle, amen, that the people of God have had yet to face. And, and also on top of that, all of his army are hiding in caves, in bushes, in rocks, in high places, in pits, and they're, they're scared to death and they're trembling. And so he doesn't even have himself an army. And so he's beginning to wonder, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's going to happen? And the Bible says in verse 8, and he tarried seven days, according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. He said, I'm going to wait because the prophet Samuel said he'd be here. The man of God gave me a word. He's going to be here. God's going to be with me. And so he waits. And we can't 
overestimate the importance of being patient, waiting for God to work in our lives. Don't ever get ahead of God and think, well, I'm going to rush it. I'm going to make things happen. Don't ever get ahead of God and think, I know better. I think I can do it by myself a lot better than he can. Saul began to make some mistakes very early on in his his reign. The Bible says in the latter part of verse 8, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Saul is in a place in his life, in his, in his reign, that things are falling apart, and he's barely been king for a few years. And the man of God said, he'd be here, and I don't see him. Where, what's going on? Is God still in control? Is God still in charge? Is God still in control? And then verse 9. Saul begins to take matters into his own hands. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. He was literally that close to God showing up in his life. He was on the the one yard line, if you will. God said he'd be here. Why am I still in this situation? The people are scattered. I'm losing control. And the the enemies of God, the enemies of the people of God are amassed around me. This massive army. It's all over. This is the end of the road. And if he could have tarried a little bit longer and said, okay, God, I'm going to wait until you show up in my life. And that's that's a lesson we've got to learn. We've all got to learn that. God, if, if it goes down to the 11th hour and it's 11.59 and 30 seconds to spare, I'm not moving. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm not going to get ahead of God. I'm not going to rush the things of God in my life. Some of you are facing decisions and things in your life. And, and it, you don't understand how things are going to work out. And it seems like all hell's come against you. And it, it, everything's in chaos. And you're just like Saul. You got a word from God. But you don't see the map. You don't see God moving just yet. All you see is the enemies of the Philistines. You see the armies of the Philistines. And they're encamped against you. All you can see is your turmoil and distress. And the trials that you're in. And you don't know that the man of God is just steps away. Amen. From stepping onto the scene of your life. And God fixed it to do a miracle. Amen. But in the, in the impatient side of man, he steps out and says, I can't wait for God no more. I'm going to do things by myself. And so Saul, amen, says, I'm going to, I'm going to stop waiting on God and I'm going to begin to realize and recognize that I'm just as good as anybody else. Amen. That man of God is not nothing special. I don't have to wait for the man of God in my life. I'm a God. I can do it myself. I'm my own priest. I can step out just like pastor, just like the man of God. And I can do it all by myself. And Saul was deceived. Saul did not realize, amen, that God had set an office in order, amen, for his benefit, for his protection, for his safety, for his future, and for the kingdom of God. And when Saul stepped out of his divinely orchestrated position and got into something completely different, 
and say, okay, now you, now, you, now you done did it. Now you done did it, Saul. Who do you think you are, Saul? And I've heard so many people before say, well, who does he think he is? He's just a preacher. He's just a pastor. He's not my pastor. He's not going to speak into my life. Sometimes, amen, and I'm going to say it like this, amen, if you can't receive correction from the man of God, if you can't receive direction from the man of God, amen, then, then I question your spirituality, amen, because the true test of spirituality is how do you handle correction. The true test of spirituality is can I be corrected and still love the man of God and still love my God and still love my brother and still love sister and go on living for God. Amen. And Saul, amen, did something in this particular juncture of his life. He stepped outside of his authority. He said, I'm just as good as Samuel. Who does Samuel think he is? Wait on me. Doesn't he know the king? Everything's falling apart around me. Here I am looking like a fool. No, God wanted you to realize something, Saul. And without me, you can't do nothing. Without me, Saul, you can't do nothing. If there's one thing that God's got to get out of our lives, is a spirit of pride. If there's one thing that God's got to get out of our lives, and that will kill you in a hurry, is a spirit of pride. And we're all quick. We're all quick to say, "Well, I, I don't have pride. I'm a humble person." But until somebody exercises apostolic authority of your life, all of a sudden you begin to buck up and say, "Well, hold on a second. You can't talk to me like that." And you, you, that spirit of pride begins to come out. Amen. But I'm going to tell you today, Amen. We all believe in apostolic authority until apostolic authority is exercised over our life. And what we need more than ever before is still a man of God, a prophet Samuel, to step into our lives. And preach us out of the grasp of hellfire. Amen. And man of God to preach our kids out of the grasp of hell. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If there's one thing that I need in my life, it's still a pastor, John Shoemaker, to say, Brother Nate, you're going wrong. Here, you need to correct your ways. If there's one thing you need in your life, it's a Hallelujah. We, we read about stuff in the Bible about the priest of the believer. And some of us get confused and we think that, well, I'm a priest. I don't need him. I don't need that man of God to tell me. I, I got, I got, well, he's got on the inside too. I don't need that. Not, under, not understanding. The priest of the believer is so that everybody can approach God individually and worship him. But we still need a pastor. We still need a priest, a man of God in our lives. Saul's best friend, King Saul's best friend in this life, was the prophet Samuel. Saul's best friend in this life was the prophet Samuel. That's that's his best friend in life. 
I'm thankful today. Amen. Down through the years, my dad is my pastor. Spoken in my life and corrected me. And began to teach me how to know the voice of God in my life. We can all, if we're not careful, get to a place where we think, I can do this by myself. That person's behind the pulpit. They're uneducated. They, they're a little wet behind the ears. They don't know what they're talking about. They haven't lived as long as I have. They're inexperienced. And we can discredit and dismantle the authority that God puts in, in the church. But a, a pastor is not self-appointed. Yeah, that's right. Self-appointed leadership is unanointed leadership. That's right. You don't just declare, well, I'm going to start me a church. There's, there's, got, there's a level of succession, succession of authority that has to be handed down to a person where God puts his hand upon a man or a woman and it, it is through the, the, the uh, umbrella of authority. Yeah, that's right. And there's folks that validate that authority, that apostolic authority. You don't just set up shop and say, well, I'm starting a church today because I don't like this church. I'm just going to do it my way. I can go wherever I want and just start a church because I, I have what it takes. Getting things confused, getting things discombobulated, and, and, and there's a great disconnect. The priesthood of the believer, so you can approach him for yourself. You can have an individual relationship with God. It's not so that you don't need the priest and the authority that God puts into your life. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul begins to mess up. Because of his impatience. It's, I can't stress it enough how important it is to be patient and wait upon the Lord. Right. Whatever you're contemplating in life, whatever you're wanting to do in life, you've got to be patient and wait upon the Lord. God, in your time, that door will open. I won't have to force any doors to open. I believe that when God makes his will known to man and to woman, it's an open door that God opens. When God opens the door, no man can shut it. And when God shuts the door, no man can open it. For me, my personal testimony is when when God called me and my wife out here to pastor, the doors began to shut in the Bay Area where we were at. And the only door that was open was right here in Lathrop. From selling our house and then subsequently losing my job because of layoffs. I had no place to go except here in Lathrop. And there's a peace in knowing I'm in the will of God. I haven't gotten ahead of God. I'm not behind. I'm in step. I'm in sync with what God's doing. Don't ever become like Saul that says, well, it's not happening fast enough for me. I'm going to force my will. I'm going to force my will. Who does the prophet Samuel think he is? There's going to be times, and I do not say this with any arrogance, there's going to be times in, in this church, in, in, this, in the future of this church, where I as a pastor exercise authority over your life. And I say, I don't think that's the will of God. We need to wait on that. Yeah. And you can, it will be easy because I've felt this before. When I've been told something I didn't like, I was so ready to just, but you don't understand it and get my words in it and get my argument in it. 
let me give you to my let me let me give it to you from my perspective. Maybe it'll change it. When I receive direction, correction at other times in my life, my response that I learned from my dad and I learned from other ministers. Yes, sir. If God's speaking to you, God's giving you direction. Whether that man is wrong or right, if I'll submit myself and I'll say under that umbrella of authority. There's a blessing upon my life. That's right. There's been pastors that have felt the call to go to a certain city and start a church. And the church and the, the, the board would not allow them to. And that man of God was so convinced. But God called me to start a church here. And the board said no. And that board, later on, the, man, the pastor would realize, was saving him from a lot of heartache and pain. Because the timing wasn't right yet. Missionaries that have received a call to go to foreign lands and start missionary works. God spoke to them. You're going to start a church. Start, you're going to start a missionary work in Africa. Thank you, Lord. I got a word from you. Uh, let me go talk to my pastor. Let me go talk to the board. And the board says, no. No. Not, not, not yet. And that missionary, because uh, I heard the story. Wanted to, well, but God spoke to me. But God gave me a word. I'm supposed to go here. Who are you to to supersede the voice of God in my life? Not understanding that there's an umbrella of authority. That there's a there's spiritual alignment that happens in a church. You can say, well, God spoke to me. But the man of God in your life is saying, no, no, not yet, no, just wait. And the, the true test of your spirituality is okay, God. With all that's in me, God, I submit myself to the man of God in my life. And I know, God, that you'll bless me. Yeah. A missionary that we support in Brazil, uh, Portugal, rather, he came to America. Brother, Brother Rodriguez, he told a story, said, oh, hey, you probably won't mind me sharing. He came to Stockton. And went to Bible college with the intent. I'm going to go to Bible college. I feel the call of God in Portugal, my homeland. I'm going to start to work there. Four years was up in Bible college. He says, okay, I'm ready to go. His pastor said, nope, not yet. You're going to stay here a little longer. And that burden began to just work in the spirit, began to just go deeper. God began to just allow that burden to eat him up and to go deeper. So that when he did eventually get the release from his pastor to go to Portugal and start works, that burden, that passion was so fervent, so so full of fire and passion and zeal that he began to have revival. Because there's some things that God says, you know what, just wait on that. I know God's told you something. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the voice of God in your life will never disagree. With the word of God and your man of God. No dream, no angel from heaven. Though he preached any other gospel. Amen. The Bible says if it's it's something other than this word, it's a curse. God hasn't blessed it. If you get a word from somebody else outside the church and it doesn't agree with the pastor of the church. And it doesn't agree with the word of God for the church. It's a curse. I'm sorry. If it doesn't agree with the word of God, the unchanged, unadulterated word from God, the 
the Holy Bible, this book, amen, the Word of God, if it doesn't agree with this book, this Bible, it is, amen, illegitimate word, amen, you need to throw it away and say, I'm going to seek a word from God that agrees with my man of God and agrees with the Word of God, amen, because outside of the Word of God, it has no legitimacy, it has no authenticity, it has no authority, because all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, said Jesus. And in Jesus' name, blessed, amen, that I wouldn't be partaking of something that Jesus ain't blessing. I want to tell somebody, this kind of preaching will save you from a world of birth, from a world of heartbreak, from a world of pain. Hallelujah, we need to throw our hands in the air. And just say, thank you, Jesus, for the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word to my life. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm already off my nose. But there's a voice of God. Brother Josh, just remind you to remember Pastor Shoemake saying something. My wife's in the nursery. Just say, you know, if God gives you a word, and everybody in your world that cares for you and loves you doesn't agree with that. But you're convinced you have a word from God. And everybody in your world says, I don't feel good about that. You ought to be very careful. Yeah. You ought to be like, you know what? Better check that. Because God will give you confirmation after confirmation. Amen. And it won't be, amen, in your mind. It'll be because other people say, you know what? That sounds... It feels really good. Actually, I'm going to be praying for you that God blesses you in that endeavor. There's going to be confirmation after confirmation. It's going to be outright confirmation. When, when I, a few years ago, and I just have to use my own personal example. That's all I have. A few years ago when I was praying, seeking God and fasting and just travailing before the Lord and getting on my face before God. And I felt like God spoke to me. About this city and the church here. And I felt like God said, what about Lathrop? And I, 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 in my spirit, I said, what? He said, what about Lathrop? And that voice, that word from God, I couldn't shake it. What about Lathrop? And I wept and I cried and I said, God, are you calling me to this, this church? To the pastor of this church? And I felt that burden. And there was times in hotel rooms I traveled for work. And I was in Chicago and I was in a hotel room. And I felt this just tremendous burden from the Lord for Lathrop. I felt like I was that man that God put in between this city and heaven. And would bridge the gap. And that God would use me. And in, in spite of that, all I told was my wife. I said, God, if it's you. You're going to speak to Pastor Shumate. 
And he's going to confirm this word. I'm not going to ask him about it. I'm not going to go have a talk with pastor while I feel this. I'm going to say, God, if it's you, I want Pastor Shemek to come talk to me about this. In the meantime, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking God about it. And in the course of time, just a short while later, Pastor Shoemate reached out and said, Brother Nate, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you. I said, okay, God, here we go. Let's see if this is really from you. Let's see if it's really from you, God. And it was almost his exact words when I got into his office. Brother Nate, what about Lathrop? And the tears came. Emotions came. I said, God, only you could have done that. Yeah, that's right. Only you knew, knew that those are the words, God. Mm-hmm. I thank you, God, for confirmation. I thank you for confirming it. God has a way of speaking to you. God has a way of talking to you. That you'll know, you know what? That's the will of God. That's not the will of God. That's the will of God. That's not the will of God. And you'll be able to know. But the Bible says, and I think it's in Revelation, let him that have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You know what God's doing tonight? God's giving somebody an opportunity to hear a preacher. He's giving somebody an opportunity to hear a preacher in your life, a pastor in your life. He's giving somebody an opportunity to say, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need a pastor, God. I need a man of God to speak into my life. I need you, God. I'm not going to get ahead of God. I'm not going to rush things. I'm going to say, God, in your time, open the right door and close all the other doors. Close all the other doors. When my mother and father were praying and considering coming to Lathrop, had a successful business in San Jose, making good money. Driving the nice Mercedes, I remember that. One time we had a Mercedes. Big two-story house, going out to eat all the time in San Jose. Life was good. Mom and dad were making money, we were doing well. And then God said it's time. My dad got into a car accident. The business, the whole shopping center went belly up. He was kicked out. No other place to go. Doors open here. God has a way of letting you know that it's his will. God will confirm his will over and over again in your life. You want to know the voice of God in your life. As Again, the Hoyles remember this. Bishop Shumate said this. If you really want the will of God in your life, if you really want the will of God for your life, and you earnestly seek it, God will not let you miss it. If it's really your earnest desire, God, I want your will. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a home. Maybe it's whatever situation. You're praying, God, I want your perfect will for my life. I'm not satisfied to live outside of your will. I want the will of God for my life. God won't let you miss it. But the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. 
there's got to be submission to the will of God in your life. Before you can resist the devil and you can resist the flesh, before you can overcome your flesh, there's got to be a submission to the authority of God in your life. There's got to be, God, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to you. Because until you submit yourself to God, you have no authority. You have absolutely no authority. Outside of submission, there's no authority. Because authority is something that's handed down. Anointing is something that's handed down. And if you don't get under that that spout, that, that umbrella of authority, that alignment, you exist outside of the realm of authority. And you have no authority in your life. God wants to save somebody tonight from something that you're about to do. Maybe even contemplating doing. And God's just saying, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to the voice of God in your life. Anything outside of this holy Bible, this word of God, anything outside of this word of God is illegitimate. This is the only thing that will take you to heaven. This Bible right here. It's not just any old book. They've said the Bible... B-I-B-L-E, some cheesy definitions, basic instructions before leaving earth. It still is. These are the things you got to do. If you want to get from here to up there, you've got to live your life in accordance with the word of God. You've got to live your life in such a way that says, God, I submit myself to the will of God, the plan of God, the man of God. Yeah. I submit myself to God. Later on, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing. Later on in Saul's life, God spoke to the prophet Samuel to say to King Saul, when you go against Amalek and the people of Amalek and you fight against them, God began to give King Saul specific instructions. When you go against Amalek, I want you to, to destroy every single living thing in Amalek. When you go fight against Amalek, I want you to kill from the king on down to the animals and the women and the children and the oxen and the sheep and the calves and, and, the, and the babies and the infants. I want all of them killed. God gave specific instructions. But, but Saul thought, well, you know what? Come on. Really? I just don't I just don't see it that way. I just don't I just I just feel differently about that. So I'm just gonna do what, what is right in my eyes. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna save the king, because that's an honorable thing. And we're gonna I'm gonna tell the people whatever seems good to you, go ahead and do that. Because you know, you have your own truths, relativity. You do what is pleasing to you. Save some of the best sheep. Kill the other, kill the, the sorry ones, the ones that are lamed and maimed and, and, and all those other ones. Just go ahead and kill those, but save the good stuff. And the Bible says that when Samuel came back uh, to, to talk to uh, King Saul after the battle of Amalek, and, and, and Saul began to say, well, I did all the things that you told me to do, 
and Samuel just went right into it and said, then what is this bleeding of the sheep? Why do I hear the, the voice and the noise of sheep? And why, why is King Agag still alive? Why did you not hearken to my voice? Amen. And Saul said, I did what the man of God said. Amen. And Samuel said, no, you didn't. Amen. He began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke King Saul. And he said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fatted rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry he began to cut him amen down to size and he began to tell him amen your obedience is better than your little phony worship and your phony sacrifices you ought to be obedient but because you are disobedient your rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and he began to dabble in some things in that moment of thinking he knew better than the preacher amen king saul began to dabble in some things that he had no business dabbling in and the the words came from samuel's lips rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and one other writer said as the sin of divination And wouldn't you know, as we read in the opening chapters here tonight, that the final thing, amen, in in Saul's life was he began to dabble again and talk, amen, to the divining spirits, amen, that witch of Endor. Amen, I'm going to tell somebody tonight that thing that you think you've got a hold of, that thing that you think you've got control of, it ain't long, honey, before it has a hold of you. And all you know, amen, is that vice of sin. Amen. That thing that you play with is the thing that will take you down and will destroy you. Hallelujah. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And we're quick to quote those, those words. And we always, at least I've, only, I've heard it so much. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And if you're not careful, you think that's the whole verse. Don't be rebellious. Don't rebel against the word of God. But the scripture doesn't stop there. It says, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. One writer said stubbornness, one translation, is as bad as worshiping false gods and idolatry. You say, I'm not being rebellious, but you're being stubborn. You want to do it your way. And God says, you don't do it your way. You do it my way. And you do it my way, I'll bless it. If you don't do it my way, I'm pulling back. Amen. The, the, the one thing that, if there's one reason why I always want to make sure I'm in the will of God is because if I exist outside the will of God, amen, and God begins to say, okay, Nate, you think you know what you're doing? Go ahead, buddy. I'm going to pull back my umbrella protection. You're on your own. Go ahead. Let the wolves have their take at your life. Amen. But I know that if I stay in the will of God, amen, there's an umbrella of protection and authority over my life. Amen. Sometimes, amen, it's your spiritual life, but other times it's your physical life. And there are things in this world that will destroy a man, will destroy a woman, both spiritually, mentally, and or physically. Amen. There are things you can mess with in this 
Christ of God in your life. Make sure it lines up with the word of God. Make sure that God blesses your every action. I want the will of God for my life. Oh, God, we love you here tonight. We praise you. We magnify you, Lord. We give you glory and honor tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to do the will of God. I want God's blessing in my life. We could talk about a lot of other stuff tonight. But what it truly boils down to is can you know the voice of God in your life? Can you submit yourself to the voice, the man of God? The word of God, the plan of God. Or will you be like Saul and say, it's just not happening fast enough. It's just not happening the way I like it to happen. I can do it myself. And it's always pride. The Bible says that precedes the fall. That haughty spirit that thinks, I can do it. You know what that is? That's self-will. Pride is simply self-will. I'll do what I want to do. That's the original sin that kicks Satan out of hell, out of heaven. I will. I will. I'm, I'm the master of my own life. God doesn't tell me what to do. I don't submit myself to a man of God. That's the thing that'll get you kicked out of God's place of protection. Hallelujah. I'd like for us just to stand tonight. And I'd like us just to lift up our voice to the Lord for a few moments. Maybe you say, you know what? This is message is not for me, it's for somebody else. Wherever you find yourself on the spectrum tonight, regardless of how you feel about it, I want you to pray tonight. God, let this word get into my spirit God it's a word from heaven tonight it's a word that's founded on the scriptures on the word of God God I want that word to get deep into my spirit to get deep into my soul God God I'm praying tonight that you give somebody in this place a hunger and a thirst for knowing the voice of God in their life I want to know the voice of God in my life. I want God's perfect will. I want the plan of God for my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want us to lift up our voices a little bit more right now. I'm asking the church to pray right now. I'm asking the church to pray right now. I'm asking the church to lift up your voices into the Lord right now. Jesus. What we're hearing tonight, God, is something that holds great significance. It is of utmost importance, God, that I learn to detect and to know the voice of God in my life. There are many voices in this world that would try to throw me off course. But God, if I can hear the word of God, if I can know the voice of God in my life, 
you need deliverance from whatever binds you. If you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor, I just want to do the will of God. I just want to know the voice of God in my life. Then, honey, this altar is open. I'm opening this altar for somebody that would seek to come and say, God, I want what you have for my life. Jesus, I'm praying tonight, Lord, that somebody in this house would receive the word of the Lord that's come across this pulpit tonight. I pray that there would be deliverance from the evil spirits that vex men's souls in this place. I pray that there would be direction, Lord, for those that don't know, amen, what step to take next. God, whatever the situation is, whatever the predicament is, Lord, let somebody know the voice of God, the plan of God, the will of God for their lives. Come on, I'm telling you tonight, God wants to save somebody from a world of hurt, from a world of pain. He wants to save you from your dilemma, from your distress. The scariest place to be is not in a dark alley. Amen. It's not the dead of night. The scariest place to be is outside of the will of God. It's a place where you can no longer hear the voice of God in your life. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody just talk to me. Somebody just talk to him right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Speak, Lord, right now. I'm asking you, Lord, to speak to somebody right now in this house, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak with a clarion call tonight. Lord, a clear and certain sound. I pray, remove the confusion. Remove the fuzziness. Lord, Lord, remove all the distractions. Remove all the hindrances, all the obstacles. And let somebody see you and know you for themselves. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.